Well, welcome back, Tom. We have missed you, and uh, I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Amen. How's everybody doing? Before I get into our, my message, um, I just want to remind everyone that uh, Tuesday is an important day for all of us to vote. And uh, I really want to encourage you not to forget. It's easy to forget to vote. You get busy with your life. Um, what I've done is I have posted on our New Covenant Worship Center group page um, what the Henry County ballot looks like. You can go on there, click it, and you can put your name and address in it. It'll tell you what your ballot would look like. That way you can see the people that are running. And you can then uh, investigate on how those people stand and where they stand so that we can uh, vote from a biblical world view. Amen. So I want to encourage you. I also put a uh, sample ballot that for Henry County out on the Welcome Center. Please don't take that one. It's like 12 pages long. But you can look at it as well while you're here if you'd like to get more informed about Tuesday. So it is very important that we vote. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. amen. It's good to see everybody. Well, <clears throat> we have been on a reading uh, plan as a church, and we've been walking through the book of John. And if you have not been reading with us, this is a great time to get in with us uh, as we're reading through the book of John. And we've kind of been off and on preaching on the book of John. And so today I'm going to actually <clears throat> share a message out of uh, John chapter 14, and I believe... The Spirit of God is going to come like fog from here and anoint me and anoint what I have to say. And the power of God is going to speak a word to us that I think is really, really important out of John chapter 14. I realize right now we are on John chapter 15. I have went back uh, because the Lord kept stirring my heart uh, on this, uh, this topic and uh, out of John 14. So... I'm going to title today's message, Doing the Works of Jesus and Doing Greater Works. And we're going to concentrate just on a few verses out of John 14 today. And so if you're taking notes, I really want to encourage you to, I believe the Spirit of God is just going to download some things in your heart, and I would encourage you to maybe take notes on your phone or whatever. But I want to set the context for John 14 because um, really um, Jesus has moved from in, John, in, in the whole book of John, Jesus has been preaching, he's been healing, he's been delivering people, he's been doing all kinds of works. Uh, but now as we get into chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and even 17, he is no longer doing public ministry. He's no longer in the streets that he is actually ministering to his disciples. And John is recording what Jesus did and what he said to his disciples. And so these are more private, intimate conversations that we're now reading in the book of John. And so I think it really is important, if you haven't been with us, this is a really good time to jump in because this is where Jesus is talking to us, his disciples. Say, I'm a disciple. Amen. And so these are more intimate. These are Jesus is preparing his disciples for the work that he is getting ready to hand off to them. He has already come into Jerusalem on a donkey, and, and they are getting ready to celebrate the Passover. He's washed their feet, and they are at dinner, and they are in the upper room in Jerusalem getting ready uh, for the Passover, but they don't realize that they're also getting ready for Jesus' death. 
And so he has already predicted his death. He's already told them what is getting ready to happen. They are very, very confused. They don't exactly understand. And he is now preparing them for a work that they are going to do after he leaves. And so we're going to pick up out of John 14. And this is one of my favorite passages in, in the Bible, to be honest with you. It has been one that has excited me and brought great joy to me. But it has also been a scripture that I've gone, hmm, why isn't this promise being fulfilled to the magnitude that, it, that we believe it should be? So let's, let's just start with John 14, and, and you're going to see what I'm talking about here. But Lord, I just pray your blessing upon your word today. I pray your blessing upon the reading of your word. Lord, we honor you and we thank you, God, that your word is active and it's going to penetrate our hearts today and give us new eyes to see what you're saying to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So Jesus, this is red letter. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Woohoo! Is that a powerful passage? This promise, as I said, has brought me great joy and expectation. Knowing that Jesus told his disciples and us that we are going to do his works and that we're going to do greater works. And we have said that around here many, many times. And then to think that whatever I ask in his name, he will do it. Has anybody ever asked anything in his name and he didn't do it? Absolutely. And so we're going to dive into this today, and I want to begin to unpack some of the things that I believe Jesus is saying to us. And I believe uh, we're going to see something different about what Christ's works are and what he has called us to. But this promise here is a promise to whoever believes. Say, whoever believes. And it should excite us. It should make us go, wow, there is, there, it is unlimited on what we can do if Jesus says we can do his works, right? It should excite you. It should go, wow, what's next, God? And this scripture, I've always taken at face value, to be honest with you. I've taken it just for what it says. And to be honest with you, I've never really studied it in depth. I've just read it, gotten excited, and yes, I've gotten, it, it has pumped me up. But as I was reading through the Gospel of John, this passage kept coming up, kept coming up. And so I would, I would say the context from which I have read this scripture has been how I've seen it is that the works of Jesus were the miracles of Jesus. Does anybody else see it that way? To me, I've seen it in the context of working miracles, signs, and wonders like Jesus. The works that we see Jesus doing all through the book of John and even the disciples in the book of Acts. But Jesus was doing things like walking on water, 
multiplying fish and bread, healing the lame man, healing the blind man, putting mud, spitting on the ground, putting mud on his eyes, and the guy's eyesight recovering, right? Calming the storm with a word. I mean, there are seven miracles in the book of John that Jesus has done. And so due to taking this scripture and seeing it through the eyes of miracles, I think I've missed something. I think we've all missed something in the scripture that has made, and God is just wanting to kind of tweak how we see the Lord and what he wants just a little bit. Not that the way we've seen it is necessarily wrong, but maybe the emphasis of what we see needs a little tweaking. Are you guys willing to be tweaked a little bit today? And as I said, because I've seen it from a miracle standpoint, it has caused me to wonder and sometimes doubt why do we not see the things that we should be seeing. And I'm sure you guys have been in that same boat with me. Anybody else been in that boat? So, as I've been studying and praying over the scripture, I've come to see that there is much more to what Jesus is saying to this when he promises that us that whoever believes in him will do his works and that they will do even greater works. And I want to take you on what I've discovered about this. And this is why I love to study the Bible. I love to study the word because when I study the word and I actually break it down and I look into other scriptures that refer to the same thing, I begin to see a bigger picture and a new revelation comes. And so I want to look at the three promises first that this scripture says out of John 14. And there are three promises. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Whoever believes in me will even do greater things than these. And then the third promise is, again, those who will believe in me, God will do whatever you ask in his name. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. How many love those promises of the red letter Bible there? Amen. So, so before we discuss works, because really what we're going to get into is discovering the works of Jesus that you and I are supposed to be doing. But Let's first look at this scripture, and I want us to look at it the context of who is Jesus speaking to, number one. He is speaking to the disciples, right? He is a small group at dinner. He is, this is a two or three hour event that Jesus is doing before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's eating dinner with them. He's teaching them things this whole evening, preparing them for something, so he's talking to the apostles, but he then talks beyond the apostles and says, whoever believes. So who is it that is supposed to do these things? Whoever believes in me. Is there anyone in here that believes that Jesus is the living God, that he is the son of God, that he is the king of glory? Anyone in here love Jesus? Okay, so I want to make sure that we understand in the context of the scripture, he is talking about us. Say, he's talking about me. So if we believe, if you and I believe these promises, it says might happen, there is a real definite will happen. Are you in agreement with me? So Jesus is promising, Mike, 
If you believe in me, you will do my works and you will do even greater things. And if you will ask anything in my name, I will glorify my Father and I will answer that. Everybody say, I will. Jesus says, I will do this. That's a powerful promise. You know, I read about a Canadian guy in Canada, and he took a year and a half to just uh, go through the, the New and Old Testament on the promises of God. And there's over 7,400 promises of God. Here's three of them. A promise to you, whoever believes. So who is Jesus saying would do the works? Okay, so he's not talking that the apostles will do the works. He's not saying that pastors and leaders will do the works. He's not saying that only charismatics will do the works or Methodists or the Baptist. He's saying all who believe in me will do these works. Are you with me? Okay, so whoever believes in me. So, everyone in this room who is a believer, it's applying to us. Now, what are the works that Jesus is talking about? Are the works Jesus is talking about the miracles? You may disagree with me right now, and that is fine. But I don't think so. And I'm going to tell you why I don't think so. Because not every believer walks in miracles. Not every believer walks in signs, wonders, and miracles. This promise says that everyone who believes in me will do my works. Do all believers do miracles? Do all believers do healing? Now, do we believe all believers can? Absolutely. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But even 1 Corinthians 12 talks about how the distribution and the manifestations of the Spirit are given to some and one, okay? Let's read it. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge of, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he, Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as who determines. Do all heal? Do all do miracles? Do all speak in tongues? No. Now, I am not bashing the things of the manifestation of the Spirit. Please do not hear that today. I do believe that we should eagerly desire these supernatural gifts. Do you hear me? These gifts, Paul says, we are to eagerly desire them in 1 Corinthians 14. But not all believers believe in these manifestations of the Spirit. Is that true in our culture? There are many denominations who do not believe that these are works that God still does. They believe they have ceased. We do not believe they have ceased. Can I have an amen? But not all believers are doing these works. I believe God is changing my focus and our focus 
And I personally believe there is a work that all believers will do if they believe that Jesus is Lord. And what do you think that work might be? Not taking anything away from the things of the Spirit, and I'm going to talk a little bit of that here in a bit. But the miracles that Jesus did and that the apostles did, they always pointed people to the work of bringing people to a relationship with God. Did you hear me? All the miracles and all the apostles, everything that they did, every miracle confirmed the word of God. But it, all the work that they were doing was bringing people into a relationship with God. Is that true? Their focus was evangelism. Their focus was reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. Their missionary journeys, everything they did, they breathed, slept, and walked that they were part of helping people come to know God. Is that true? You can answer that. So I'm going to say it again. The miracles that Jesus did and the apostles did, they always pointed people to the work of bringing people to a relationship with God. So everyone who believes in Jesus, the work that we all need to be a part of, everyone who believes in Jesus will do the same work of pointing people to the Father and a relationship with God, to a relationship with Christ and the Father and, and the Holy Ghost. Everyone who believes in me will help people believe in Jesus and bring them to faith in Christ. Christ's work Hear me, Christ's work is a work of redemption. Reconciling man back to God because Satan came and he messed things up in the Garden of Eden. Can I have an amen? And Jesus' work is to bring the people in our family, the people in our workplaces, the people in our schools, the people at Walmart, the people in everywhere we go, that our work that we're supposed to be part of, doing the work of Jesus, is to bring people to a relationship with God. So the question is being answered. The work is God's redemption. Can I have an amen? So, the question is, for you and me, and this is where I have been even really the last six months, am I, are you doing the works of Jesus? Am I doing works in my life to take people from doubting God to believing in God? Am I taking them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? Am I doing works to direct people to Jesus and helping them overcome their fears and doubts? Is everything in my life pointing people to the redemption of their soul and believing in Christ? I have to say no. Anybody else want to say, nope, I'm not doing that? No shame here. This is not a shame message. This is a tweaking of our hearts. This is a tweaking of our revelation where we have got to focus on truly the works that God has called us to, to reconcile people from a life of sin and unbelief to believing and receiving him. So 
It's not that miracles will not be included. It's not that words of knowledge will not be had. It's not that healing won't take place. It's not that we don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. It's these, these gifts do help people to come into belief. I mean, there are some things that have happened here in the last six months within this church where God has spoken prophetically to people, and he has lined certain things up and manifestations of the Spirit in people's lives, and it has caused, caused people that I know of to literally believe that, wow, God really does love me, and he is coming after me. He is pursuing me. So the, 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 the works of the Spirit only confirm the work of redemption. They're a sign confirming that God is real and he is a love. He is in love with us and he is pursuing us. So if I, when I went to the Greek on what the word work meant, it's the word ergon and uh, it means a work that a person is ob ob obligated to perform for moral or legal reasons. A work, a deed, something people cause to happen. It just blows me away that God in his sovereignty and his providence has said, I am going to use the human race. I'm going to, they are going to be my family on the earth and I am going to co-labor with them in my work of salvation. Does that blow anybody away? That literally you and I get to participate with God in bringing people to salvation. Does that excite anybody? It scares the daylights out of me when I'm out on the street and I'm going up to somebody that I don't know. And why am I scared? Because sometimes we're insecure in ourselves. But man, let's get the nervous jitters out. Can I have an amen on that? Jesus really is good. And so this work is we're obligated to, to follow him. Now, one of the scriptures that came to my heart was 1 John and John said, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. There's that work, that word work. That's the same word, ergon. That Jesus literally came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, it doesn't take us very long to look around in the United States of America and see the works of the devil. Anybody seen any of it lately? Is our world in chaos? Are things getting worse? Do we need help? Do we need a savior? Now we realize that Jesus has already taken some keys from the devil, but he still is the prince of this air and he still is wreaking havoc on our culture. Can we see that, right? But Jesus has come to destroy his works and he's come to destroy his works through us. Say me. I'm here to destroy the works of the devil. You guys are awful quiet. Now, this isn't time for praying in tongues. Because I can't interpret that right now. We're here to destroy the works of Satan. Satan, in his re rebellion, has continued to work against God's righteousness and against God's saving purpose in the world right? God is about redeeming mankind from sin, right? Amen. God is about redeeming our family from sin. Can I have an amen? Our children and our children's children. Amen. 
God is into redeeming our political leaders from sin. Can I have an amen? Amen. Satan is deceiving our political leaders. Satan is deceiving us into believing that we are not responsible for the people around us as salvation. Satan actively opposes the spreading of the gospel. Satan actively opposes the spreading of the gospel. And it's hot up here. <laughs> Satan opposes believers. Satan works to deceive you on your role as a believer. Satan is constantly trying to ensnare you into unrighteousness and sin. Satan is constantly accusing you and telling you you're not a Christian and that you're not good enough and that you're this and that you're that. Right? Satan tries to convince you you can't do the works of God. That you can't tell somebody, I don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. I don't know what to do. We're going to do some training. I promise you. Next year we're going to move into some stuff when it comes to evangelism and helping people. Because we're, we're going to change this thing. I promise you. But Jesus came to destroy the work of all that. And he wants to use you and I to destroy it as well. I don't know about you, but man, that song we sang about, we have a, a, a lion inside of us, and it needs to roar. Mm. Not just praise, but it needs to roar and push back the kingdom of darkness. Can I have an amen? Amen. Mm. So Jesus came to redeem his children, and God's work is all about his redemption of man. So number one, if you're taking notes, the promise all believers will do his works of redemption, bringing people to Christ, or another way to say it, all believers will be involved in helping others come to faith in Christ. Everybody say, that's me. So that's the first point that I'm going to make today. We'll see how far we get on this. So without shame and without condemnation, how are you doing with this promise that God has called all of us to partake in? How are you actually doing? I need to do better. Anybody else? Okay. So we have a problem in Houston, and we need to work on it, right? Okay. Well, I've got some thoughts here. Now, as I was thinking this process through, we all need to mature and grow. And I love Mark's message last week about spiritual maturity. This is part of spiritual maturity. This is part of us maturing in our walk with Christ and beginning to engage our hearts in his works. And so if we're going to grow and spiritually mature, I have a suspicion that what if, because I don't know about you, uh, I think, yeah, let me just go there. Okay. I think part of our problem of not doing, number one, is this. I think we're so focused on fixing ourselves. 
I think we're so focused on emotional health, emotional healing, getting spiritually mature. Now, I'm not downing emotional health, so don't, that, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we're so focused on making our kingdom better and our lives better and us maturing spiritually and us getting stronger and us knowing how to do and self-help and fix ourselves and grow in the word and grow in our relationship with Jesus that sometimes we're so focused on ourselves that we forget that we're actually supposed to be focused on others. That we navel gaze so long at ourselves and our problems that we never ever get to a place where we're focusing on other people because we're so focused on me. Could that possibly be happening in your life? What if actually sharing the gospel and sharing our faith with people around us, what if that actually produced spiritual maturity and growth? What if actually helping someone come to faith in Jesus is actually what helps you to discover what the word of God means? Because when I help somebody that doesn't know God and they ask me a wild question that I have no clue, what does it force me to do? Find the answer or call Eric. And I'm going to deflect those calls because I'm going to go, what do you think the Bible says? What do you think the Word of God says? What if we're stunning our actual spiritual maturity because we're not helping people come to know Jesus Christ? And there's nothing wrong with growing spiritually and fixing our broken places, which is good. I think we have a little focus shift here. We need to focus on helping people come to know Jesus Christ and the redemptive love of God. That he is for them, not against them. He wants to set them free. He wants to help break the chains of bondages. As I was reviewing my own life and taking it before the Lord, I was like, Lord, how am I doing in this? And I was beating myself up, and I was like, Eric, you, need, you have not won people to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, he started reminding me that six people, I've led six people to the Lord this year. Five people within the service here and one person at the cafe. Yeah, the cafe is a good gathering place. Now, I'm not saying that to toot my horn. The environment here in this house creates a culture of salvation. It creates a culture of people wanting to know Christ. But man, I do not know very many unsaved people. My job is the church. My job is Christians. My job is equipping the body of Christ for the work. work. <laughs> By the way, that also means ergon. <laughs> The work of ministry, guess what the ministry is? God's redemptive work. And so I, I'm struggling, I'm wrestling with God on how to get my life around more Christian or unchristian non-Christians, 
What are some outreaches we can do? What are things we can do as a church to begin to get outside of the four walls of this house? It's starting to get claustrophobic in here. Anybody with me? So let's move to the second promise. The second promise in this scripture, and this is all we'll get to today. The third one we'll do next week. The third one's even more exciting too. (laughs) All believers will do his works and even greater works. So what are the greater works? What do you think the greater works are? The word greater means megas. It's where we get our word mega. It literally means great, loud, greater in number, level, or amount. And so does it mean that more miraculous, that I'm going to do more? Am I go- Actually, Alger's going to walk on water tomorrow? Does it mean Chris Glover is going to raise somebody from the dead? I, I believe in all that stuff. I mean, I, I believe in miracles. My son was paralyzed for three months, and he now walks most of the time. I really thought that Greater Works was all about miracles even here. Most theologians believe Jesus was saying more in magnitude or quantity, not more in power or greater in the sense of more sensational. If God meant more miraculous, and that was the goal, I think few of us could be called Christians because all believers would have to be doing more miraculous things. So it goes back to my original thought in the beginning. There are people doing amazing miracles. There are people who are gifted for the working of miracles. And I'm asking for it. Ask and you shall receive. I'm asking for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm asking for more. Anybody else in this house asking for more? But it's not for us to uh, feel better about ourselves. It's not about us being something. Sometimes I think we want more because we feel so bad about ourselves. If we have more, then it will actually be for our glory rather than for the glory of God. It'll be to validate me. It'll be validate that I'm somebody, that I'm anointed, that I'm this or I'm that. No, that's not what the miracles are for. They're to bring glory to God and to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Please let me have somebody say amen. So I'm not discounting miracles. But again, it says all who believe in Jesus will do greater things. Not all believers are doing that. I believe there's two things under greater that I just want to mention today, and then we'll move on. Greater in number, and I believe a greater salvation. And you're going to say, what do you mean by that? Let's start with the greater number. If you'll remember in the book of Acts chapter 2, and if you'll even, there is even a clue in chapter 14 when it says that we'll do greater things because I go to the Father. Everybody say, because I go to the Father. There's a hint there. There's a hint that we're going to do greater things because Jesus is leaving, going to the Father. He's now preparing them for a work they're going to do. But what does he do? He promises the Holy Ghost. He promises the Spirit to come and be their comfort, to be their power, to be their energizer, to be their dudamas, right? 
And so when, when Peter preaches his first sermon after the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, how many people got saved? 3,000 people got saved, and it was a greater work than Jesus did. Why was it a greater work than Jesus did? Jesus never brought anyone to salvation. Oh, heresy, Eric, heresy. How can you say Jesus never brought? The guy on the cross, he, he said, oh, you'll be with me in paradise. No one had experienced salvation yet by the Spirit of God drawing them. They had believed in Jesus and they had followed Jesus, but the Holy Spirit hadn't come. Jesus had not died. He had not resurrected. He had not, been with the, he had not gone to the Father. He had not done those things that bring your salvation. It's that that which Jesus did that is the power of salvation. There was a greater salvation. Does that make sense? And so it was greater in that now the Holy Spirit was going to live inside of you rather than be on the outside of you, and the Holy Spirit was going to come, and he was going to move you to salvation. You don't come to salvation on your own. He comes to you. And no one had experienced that. That drawing of the Spirit, the Spirit comes to convict men of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. There was a greater salvation coming. It was a promise. And there was something greater coming because that promise was going to now be manifest through his people doing the works of the ministry. A greater salvation and a greater number. This great salvation that we have, it is not a future salvation. It is a present salvation. I am currently holy. I am currently righteous. I am currently already saved from my sin. Amen. I don't have to come and dip again in the blood. The blood's already been dipped for me. How about you? We celebrated the Lord's table today. greater works, greater numbers. Jesus never left Israel. He preached and taught in a place a little smaller than the size of Indiana. And we would do greater works because we would bring the gospel to the nations. We would do a greater work because we would multiply the goodness of his salvation to the nations of the earth, greater in number. Oh, that fires me up. Oh, God, my focus has been on so much maturing the body of Christ. But not on the work of salvation. God, forgive me. What such a great salvation you have given us. I hope that's sinking into you this morning. We will do greater things because Jesus was going to the Father and the Spirit of God 
would bring true salvation. Jesus was leaving behind an amazing family to carry on his work of spreading the gospel of his kingdom to more and more people in more and more places with greater and greater effect. Now that's been stifled in America. Would you agree? In Africa, there's, they're saying 20,000 people coming to know Jesus Christ every day. A greater salvation. While we sit in our paneled houses and we try to get mature spiritually and get our, our life all put together and we're forgetting the greater work of salvation to those around us. Will you ask God to forgive you? I am. I believe he's asking us to refocus on the mission of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. What do you think about that? More people saved, more people delivered and healed, more set free from the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, more people delivered from the bondage of the enemy. And yes, we will see signs, wonders, and miracles, but the focus is not the miracles. The focus is the redemption and bringing people to faith. Can I please have an amen? amen. If you're a believer here today, I want to tell you, you're going to do greater works than Jesus did. If you're a believer here today, you're going to do greater works. There is fire shut up in your bones. There is an anointing inside of you called Holy Ghost. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And it shall quicken your mortal body. And you will have power to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, and there is nothing that can hinder us from declaring that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and everyone will bow their knee, every tongue will confess, and every knee will bow that he is Lord. And it's not going to be done in judgment, it's not going to be done in manipulative tactics, it's going to be us loving our neighbors. I am so proud of my son, Joel. And I'm proud of other people too. But I'm telling you what, I've watched him when they bought their house on their street. He started going door to door and loving on people. He started inviting them over for dinner. He started helping them work on their house. He started mowing people's yards. He started helping his whole block. And now they come to him. Now they come to their house. And he's having picnics on the back porch. He's doing all kinds of stuff, reaching his neighborhood for Jesus Christ. And there have been like 30 to 60 people give their hearts to Jesus since he's been down there in Knoxville. The, the people are coming to know Christ through him. 
and they love him and his wife. They, I mean, the next door lady, she's 93, and she's buying stuff for Abner all the time. I mean, motorized cars, and as soon as they get back from Florida, our vacation, she goes, let me know when you're home. And he said, well, as soon as I get home, you'll see my car. And as soon as he pulled in the driveway, guess where Betty Jean was going? She came right out of her her door, and she was trotting over there to go see Abner and to go see Joel and to go see them. His girl next to him, who lives right next door to him, he mows her yard, and she has went to church now three times with him. And they're just gradually getting closer and closer to Jesus. I remember when we did Adopt a Block. I remember we would go week after week after week helping people mow their yards, do stuff. And God did a miraculous thing. People got saved. You guys remember it? I've got a neighbor right beside me, a lover. Man, Miss Liz, she's so sweet. She's widowed. And man, Karen and I are loving her, and we're doing stuff for her. She's doing stuff for her, and she's getting closer and closer to us. I now know everybody on my street, on my neighborhood. What if Mike knew everyone on his neighborhood? What if evangelism was not a planned thing from the church? that we're doing an activity. What if evangelism and faith was about you reaching the people just in your neighborhood? These little houses of light. Hey, come on over. We're going to do a Bible study. You want to come join us? What if? I love what Victory Lane does. They minister to families with needs. I love the fostering program and I love adoption. I love all the things. There are so many things that we can get involved in as people of God. And our goal is the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Mm. I pray Spirit of God gives you some real aha moments of what we could do as a people to begin to shift our focus from ourselves and our little kingdoms And begin to focus it on your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would get involved in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Last promise, and I'm going to cover this next week. It's a big one. God will do whatever you ask in his name. You may ask him for anything in his name and he will do it. Is there a condition to that? Come back next week and see. Because we're going to talk about it. Now, we got some homework for you. You guys ready for homework? Take a picture of this, please. I'll also put it on our friend page. We are reading John 16 this week, and I will not be preaching next week on John 16. I will actually be preaching on 14 and 15 and some others. And journal and and let God highlight to you what you're to study and seek him on the truth he's wanting to show you. Memorize John 1.15. If you haven't noticed, we are memorizing the whole first chapter of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and it goes on and on and on, and we're memorizing the whole thing. If anybody wants to come up here and say the whole thing, there might be a prize for you. <laughs> Number three, in preparation for next week's message, read the following scriptures, John 14, 12 through 16, which is what we just read, John 15, 7 and 8, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and Mark 11, 22 through 24. And here's a big one. You guys ready to stretch yourself? Say, I want to stretch myself. Do his work this week and share your faith. 
Tell one person about Jesus and how he saved you. Be brave and share your testimony. This is real simple. You get somebody and go, man, looks like things are going rough in your life. Man, let me tell you a point in my life where, man, things were crazy, crazy. I was lost. I was miserable. I was doing this. And, man, God did this. God did that. And I said, yes, and this is what he's done. He's actually given me an amazing wife. He's actually given me children. He's healed my wife of endometriosis. He's done And you begin to share your testimony. And if I can help you come to know this amazing God, I want you to know I'm here for you. How hard is that? Really hard. You got something good to tell. You got some good news in you, right? So that's our homework. So amen. Praise the Lord. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Stand up with me. We're going to do one thing before we leave today. And we are going to pray for McKinley Brown. I don't know if you guys know it. I can't say everything. But she is auditioning for one of those TV shows, and she's going to be singing and auditioning and being videoed all next week. And so we're going to lay hands on her and bless her. Because one of the things that this church is called to is to the mountain mandate. And we are to take the mountain of entertainment, the mountain of business, the mountain of government, the mountain. And we are to put Christians in them to be an influence of the kingdom. Can I amen? And she is going on this. She doesn't realize it so much yet, but she's going to. She's actually going there to represent God, not herself. Yes. To be a light. And so I'm going to have Tom and, and the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. team come up, and we're just going to lay hands on her. I'm going to have you guys reach out to her. And we're just going to bless her with a lot of peace and no fear here. Can I have an amen on that? 